Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope you'll stay with us. You know, if you're driving in the car or you're listening at home, uh, I've got once again uh, my friend and employee and fellow ministry guy here from the Union Gospel Mission. He is the kitchen supervisor. He cooks the meals and runs the kitchen and the other cooks and all that kind of stuff that's going on. And last week, we talked quite a bit about the impact the construction has been on the kitchen and everything that's going on in there. But throughout the whole pandemic, throughout the whole construction, Tim has been able to feed hot meals and do all those things all the way through. And so, uh, Tim, would you like to say hello to all the folks out there? Sure. How is everybody doing? Good to be back. Now, Tim, we've talked about this before, but I thought it was an opportune time for us to just take a minute, pause, and reflect back. You had said on the last show that you were there for 11 years. And so did you think 11 years ago when you came in to the mission that someday you would actually be working there? No. No, not at all. I come from uh, a management past. I've worked in some... Uh, nice retail locations as a GM and an ASM, third key, and I just never thought that. Let me let me roll that back a little bit. I let me just fill you in on a little background. I came to the mission not knowing that there was a mission or a place I can go to get myself together. I was a functioning alcoholic for a number of years, twenty twenty two years, and. The mission was there for me, and I went through the program. It was very humbling because I never experienced homelessness, so I was never literally outside on the streets. And it was hard for me to come into that type of situation with community living and things of that nature. And I remember graduating the program. I felt anew. I felt like, okay, I need to get back out into the things I was doing before as far as retail management and things of that nature. And I remember you called me to your office after I graduated and you said, well, would you ever consider doing an internship here at the mission? Mm -hmm. And I, first thing I said, which I knew right then that God has transformed my life. I said, I don't know. I have to pray about it. That's the way it should be. And my decision was two weeks later, I wanted to give back to the mission because of what they'd done for me. They saved my life because if I would have stayed out there, that's exactly what I would have done is drunk myself to death. And they, I felt this sense of wanting to pay back, if you will, even though you know we don't pay God back. We just serve God. And... Um, no, I would have never thought. I've talked to many people since then. They said, did you see it back then? And I says, no, but it wasn't seeing. It's what God put in my heart. And he changed my heart, and that's when the decision was made. I want to I wanna serve God, and I'm full. I don't need $80,000 a year and you know, a house, a nice car, or sit at a bar thinking that the people that I'm associating with are 
my friends, when all they wanted me to do was buy drinks and, you know, my life was empty, you know, and I never really had a sense of peace. And when I graduated the program and I started to give back to the program and the men in the program and our guests outside, that's when the sense of peace came over and God just put it in my heart to be still and know that he's God and to follow him. Mm-hmm. And that was 11 years ago, so... Obviously, he had other plans for me. <laughs> well, he did have other plans. So tell me, how serious was your drinking by the time you got to the mission? Oh, um, well, I drank for, gosh, years, boss. Uh, drinking before I got to the mission, probably a fifth and a half, maybe two-fifths of vodka a day. That's a lot. It is a lot, but it wasn't so much to drink to get drunk. It was to drink to function. And that's where I knew I was in trouble because I had to drink. It was no longer I wanted to drink. Yeah, uh, I had to stop shaking. I had to be able to get out of bed to go to work. So I had to drink to get in the shower to start my day. And it was it become a necessity in my life. And I knew I was in trouble then. It had never gotten to that point to where I had to do it. Uh, to sustain myself, and uh, yeah, about two-fifths a day before I got into the mission. Well, uh, that is a ton, uh, because most people, if they were to drink a half pint, they would be wiped out on the floor. Yeah, that's in the morning, boss. That was to get to work, (laughs) half a pint. (laughs) But once I got to work, the funny part is I went, uh, one of the questions in the rehab in our program is they asked me, well, when is the longest you can think that you, how many days did you do that you remember never missing a day drinking? I reflected back. I can remember five years that I never missed a day drinking. And I remember I got real sick one time at work, and I was sober for like three days. On the fourth day, I went back to work, and everybody asked me, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? What's wrong? Because they didn't know the sober Tim. They knew the drunk Tim, but they never knew I was drunk. It's just my mannerisms, the way I interacted, the way I talked, the way I functioned was different than the way they were when I was sober. So they all thought something was wrong with me. And it was, it was scary that people did not know who I was. You know, So that's when the conscious decision was to come to the mission. But it wasn't to this mission. I just wanted to go and drink myself to death and just be through with it. But I was brought up, you know, in a religious area to where I knew that even drinking myself to death was suicide, so I didn't want to do that. Yeah, and, that's true. And this gentleman said, you know, told me one day, he said, don't have to live like that. And I was in Portland, Oregon. He pointed over to the Union Gospel Mission in Portland, Oregon, and I went in there. They said, no, three days, and I've told you the story. Just something came over me, and I just wound up getting a ticket to Sacramento. I had about 380 bucks in my pocket, and I've never been here before in my life. That's when I hit my knees that night, and I just thank God that I just rededicated my life to him because I wasn't raised like that, and I knew I was in trouble, and I knew there was one person who could help and save me, and it wasn't me. No. So I cried out to the Lord, and lo and behold, I got in the Union Gospel Mission, and my life's never been the same. I will always truly be thankful for the mission, for even being there. 
Yeah, which brings up an interesting point, too. The Union Gospel Mission in Portland, Oregon, is not affiliated no. with us. We're autonomous. There's, uh, we have the Union Gospel Mission name, and we pretty much stand for the same things, but we are, uh, we're not interconnected. No. Uh, we get that question a lot. Uh, but so f- when Tim came down, to his point, never been here before. He's from the East Coast to begin with. And never been here, but the act of providence that God brought him there, you know, we we didn't know when he came to the mission that a year later we would need him. Uh, we don't hire usually people off the program. Uh, we like to have people go out of the mission and then maybe reapply if they want to because we don't want to interrupt their sobriety by, you know, just keeping them cloistered. But... At the time, we had lost a cook, and so I asked him if he wanted to be the kitchen supervisor. And again, he had to pray about it, which I did too. And he's been, it's been 11 years now, huh? Been 11 years, yeah. Yeah. February was 11 years. Were you employed for 11 years? I can't remember. No, I've only been employed for 10. 10. Okay, well, that's a nice even number. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> it'll, it'll, be, it'll be 11 February. You know, it's funny. Right now, Eileen is 10 years here. She is. She came just before me. After you, right? No, she came before me. She came in November. Oh. I came in February. But I was in the program. Mm-hmm. But she mm-hmm. got hired before me. Yeah, we've both been here almost 11 years. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Eileen is the development director. She started out as my executive assistant but she has taken on some such a bigger role she's now development she has a couple of people working for her she's office manager she does all that kind of stuff and she still manages to keep make time to keep my schedule straight so i know where i'm going at any one given time and so we've got a pretty good crew of people we got tim and scott came about Eight years ago, right? Yeah, something he like was that. after me two two years, three years. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so Scotty's out there and got a few new people. But at any rate, yeah, the mission is, as we talked about last week, it's undergoing a not a facelift, a, compre- a complete redo. So it'll be updated, it'll be safe, it'll be all those things. You know, the administration office, the building is 18 years old, and it's so that's relatively new. And it looks good. It's clean and all that kind of stuff. But the, uh, but the, the old building is from, you know, 1978. And at the time, I think it was mostly done with volunteers. So there was a lot of things that, as a former contractor, I could tell you that weren't weren't up to what I would have had had done. So we've been working very hard to get the mission back open. We're open for nightly services. By the way, this is a blessing too. So far we've had people uh, give us $100,000 for a matching fund program. So if, if, uh, if you want to donate to the rebuild of our mission back there, Every dollar you donate up to $100,000 will be matched by this these three people that, that stepped up to the plate. So that's pretty cool. Very know. cool. You want to tell everybody how they can do that? 
Well, you know what? They can either call the mission at 447-3268. I did not set him up for that. So, <laughs> so guys, no, that isn't. Or you can go online to ugmsac.com. And you can either contact Eileen or one of the other people in the office, and if you would like to donate that way, or and if you if you pay by credit card or you mail in something, just say that you'd like to have this go to the matching fund, and so th- that way it will be double, really. So that's great. You know, it costs a lot of money to do a remodel like this. But it's worth it because it tells the people on the street we care about them. It's not just administration offices. It's not just where the staff works or that side of the campus. By the time we finish, both sides of the campus will be up-to-date, modern, safe, functional, uh, cost-efficient and everything. And I mean, we've got a brand-new roof up there. We've got brand new uh, coolers on the roof. We've got air conditioning that was put into the men's dorm and into the room where our program guys take their breaks. We'll have new showers. We'll have new rooms. We'll have just everything will be up to date. And as I told everybody last week, there was a lot of dry rot behind the walls, a lot of damage that, that we found. And fortunately... We are getting all of that corrected. We're going to get new washers and dryers to make that more efficient. And your kitchen, however, is up to date, right? I mean, you yeah, we did we did a lot of the kitchen work ahead of time. We got uh, we're blessed. We got a new stove, double stove, and things. Uh, people don't understand. We you know when we're up and running at full steam, you know we're the kitchen's open at five o'clock in the morning and don't close till ten p.m. Yeah, well, we when we were fully up, fully functional, we were doing nine thousand meals a month. Now let me year like one hundred and ten thousand a year. Yeah, <laughs> that's staggering numbers. It is, and that's a lot of energy, both from staff and in in electricity and gas and everything else. But you know, w- you know, I saw a plaque on the wall. What what is that plaque for? No, something about the cleanliness and. Safety. Safety and. Yeah, we got an award a yeah, couple years ago. Yeah, we did, actually, you know. And well, you did, your kitchen. Well, no, you know, it ticks all of us. And like I tell the guys that were there, you know, I'm a little hard boss. I'm not, you know, I'm a little yeah, rough I around the edges. The time. But <laughs> there's a reason. We're responsible for everybody who eats there, our guests, our staff, our men in our program. So, yes, I do take it very seriously. It's a safety issue. There's knives in there. There's hot water. There's fires. There's all kinds of things going on. So, yeah, I'm a little hard on our guys, but I'm only hard on them because I care about them, and I don't want to see anybody get hurt. So there's a time to play, and there's a time to be serious. That's right. I mean, you know, You've got a deep fryer. You've got a meat slicer. And if you go in and look at any statistics, I worked at a restaurant when I was a kid, and the most dangerous piece of of equipment in there is that meat slicer. And it's not while you're cutting the meat that it happens. It's when you're cleaning the thing. Mm -hmm. And so everything is sharp. Everything is hot. Everything is dangerous. And so extreme caution has to be taken not to mention the preparation of the food needs to be done right. 
so that you don't pass along any kind of germs, correct? Well, everybody in uh, the kitchen that prepares food has to have food handler's cards, so they have to be educated on how to detect certain meat, how to wear gloves, on what cutting boards you use for not to cross-contaminate food and things of that nature. Plus, what people don't know, I don't think, is that a lot of guys in our, our drug and alcohol program, we teach them how to cook. We give them that trade sure. so they can go out there and just another tool in their tool belt that, if need be, they can get employment and get you know income coming in. And so that's why they have to be aware of what's going on. You can't joke and kid and... You know, it's but it's a blessing. It's a blessing to see that the kitchen, where it was when I started to where it is today, it's just God's blessings. It, it is. really is. And mm-hmm. everybody who donates to the mission. I mean, you know, they without that, yeah, without that, you know, we couldn't get proper equipment and up-to-date equipment and safe equipment. Yeah, absolutely. You have... You have an assistant. Obviously, there's an assistant cook who's paid by the mission, really. But now you have a a guy working in the kitchen. You were able to come to the radio show today because he could cook for you, correct? That's correct. Uh, His name is Patrick. It is. And uh, Patrick has turned out to be a blessing. He is. And that's, that's one of those transformations. You see the guys that come in the program, and I'm blessed to see them. A lot of them come to the kitchen to work while they're in the program, but you can see where they came in and where they're at at this phase and at this phase and at this phase and then the graduation phase. And it's just it's just to see God's work in, in the guys is, you know, it just lets me a refreshment to me every day to say, you know what, that's the God I serve. Amen. You know. And you know what? The God you serve, the God I serve, is not a God who who shows favoritism, is nope. he? You know, you can be, you can have the best of cars, the best of lives, the best of things, and that doesn't mean that God is showing you favor. He is showing you grace that in spite of the fact you're still an enemy of God, and that's, of course, if unless you're in Christ, because there are Christians who have a lot of money, too. And there's nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong with a person having money or not having money, but it depends on the God he serves. Amen. If he serves the God of, of money and pleasure and all those things, then it doesn't matter whether he's out on the street or in a penthouse. He's still just as lost. But if, if first he serves God, if he has no other gods before the true and living God, then the same is true. It doesn't matter whether he's out on the street or in the penthouse. He's still saved and headed for for eternity, and he's all paid up, right? Amen. Amen. And uh, fortunately, who does God choose? Whoever God wants to. You know, I mean. Uh, well, look, he chose me, and I was broken. Oh, me too, you know. Brother. And I'm just thankful that I was one of the chosen ones, that he reached down and picked me up. Well, brother, I was uh, I was a contractor, and I was all those things, and uh, I never lost my wife until she died from COVID. But, I mean, I had a family, I had all those things, but I was still very far from God. And, again, it doesn't matter how successful you are. I've always told people, I would rather have my kids sweep floors or wash dishes 
and be saved than to be highly successful, wealthy, and lost. Yes, sir. Because this moment in time really is a flash, right? It's it's a moment. And uh, what does the Bible call it? Calls it a vapor. And, you know, a vapor, if you've ever... I, I, I Yeah, well, <laughs> I think about that... Uh, that air thing you have outside of your office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, <laughs> it, it distributes some kind of air freshener. And it, you'd be sitting there and all of a sudden, poof, <laughs> and you see a little mist come out, and within a second, the mist is gone, yeah. right? And that's kind of how our lives are. It, it may seem like a long time if you're 80, 90, 100 years old. You say, well, that's a lot of time. But no, it really isn't. And when it's over, it's over. And there's no chance, second chances, so you better get it right this time. Amen. And the only way for you to get it right is not to work your way into heaven, but by grace, through faith, and that not of yourself. It's an amazing thing, don't you think? It is. Absolutely. I used to remember I used to tell you, I used to say in my uh, my testimony, I said, you know, God used to bless me in spite of myself. Uh, amen. You know what I mean? In spite of me, I was blessed with jobs and, you know, a nice career and stuff, but you know, I was I was rotten inside. I was lonely inside. I was empty inside. I had no sense of purpose, no direction. Oh yeah. You know, and when I got saved, that's when I got full again. And I, you know, come you. It's like you come to life, you know, and you you want to do for others. It's not about me, 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 me no more. So, yep. you know, it's a blessing just working at the mission. I, you know, for I me can as well. say a hundred times over. If you guys ever get a chance, you know, call the mission, set up in uh, a little tour once we get everything up and running again. To even see, before that. Even to see all these little engines that run under one roof, it's just amazing what God what God does in that one acre. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, it, it that's absolutely true. I mean, I've been there for 16 years, and I've wanted the building remodeled all those years. Uh and and I'm just I'm thrilled to see it happen. It's a lot of work for everybody. It's a lot of tension. It costs a lot of money and does all those things. But here's the deal: when you have generous donors, as we do, they expect that money to be used for God's kingdom and to yes. do God's work. And it it can't be just spent on superficial things. You know, I mean. We do the very best we can. I try to make sure that our people are, are compensated as well as possible. Uh, you know, it's hard when you're at a mission. But the other part of that is that when you get this money in, what are you going to do? You're going to just sit on it? You're going to try to build up, a, as I said one day here, uh, a big war chest in case things go bad? No. You take the money that you have and you see what is the best for the kingdom of God and you invest it in the kingdom of Amen. God, right? And I think we're doing a pretty good job right now of that. And uh, God has blessed us. And by the time we get finished with everything, it'll essentially be a new building inside and safe and warm and all those things. So, all right, Timothy, we're, we're down to 30 seconds. Got anything to say? Now, I'd just like to thank anybody who has anything to do with the Union Gospel Mission, and I'd love to see the mission here 60 years from today, another 60 years. Amen. And so, as always, my dear friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.
listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.